It's everything Queensland footy. Good bold football from the Brisbane Lions. That's a big one for the Suns. This is Triple M Footy's Northern Exposure. Yes, it is everything AFL in the Sunshine State. Triple M Footy's Northern Exposure. The Brisbane Lions, their fight for the double chance continues. The Gold Coast Suns, well, their finals hopes have now faded. We'll get into they that dead. a little bit like They are dead, Jack Fulham. Thank you very much, Jack. Joining us as always <laughs> every week, Nick Davis here and our man Will Ralston down in Melbourne. Very happy with his Lions, and that's where we'll start. At the Gabba on Sunday afternoon. I'm loving that 3.20 slot. Jack, you were there front and centre. Beautiful day for footy. There was a sellout. It was a great crowd. Up to 57-point lead, and then something changed. Now, the big question is, Will, uh, how high did your heart rate get halfway through that last quarter where Carlton (laughs) looked like they were on one of the biggest missions? They had Mm. a real sniff uh, towards the end, but then the Lions shut the door. Uh, How are you feeling about it, Will? Well, I was remarkably hungover on that Sunday, <laughs> and man. it was the last thing I needed. I was just saying to the people I was watching it with, like, oh, great. I just needed a relaxing one. I didn't want to worry about it. And as soon as they'd kicked, like, four in a row, I was like, oh, God, it's happening. It wasn't even – by the time I got to the 15 points, I was – I'd kind of conceded. I was like, we could just bottle this. Uh, and to their credit, they rallied, uh, which I think is nice. We had two – good responses because they had a good run in the second quarter too where they kicked three really quick ones and all of a sudden it looked like they were about to spark themselves up after that Crips hit on Archie. Mm. Um, So they're two really good responses and I think it's easy to get bogged down in the negativity of, oh, we've choked up another good lead. It could have been such a big percentage boost. If you told me at the start we could have won against Carlton by 33 points at home, winning every major statistical category, I'm pretty happy. That last quarter isn't great, but we're, we're not the perfect team and we registered a good win against the top four aspirant. Jack, there are plenty of things that the Lions did incredibly well and we will touch on them, but let's just rip off the band-aid quickly here. Will, as you said, two times the Lions were forced to rally and we've seen the club rally plenty of times throughout the season, but we've got to discuss what happens to this team when there is a swing or a shift in momentum. Again, we saw it against Richmond. We saw it after, after the Crips hit and that eight-goal run. Now, there's a lot of argument to say that those goals, it was junk time, the game was gone. But what happens in that moment? What what are the Lions players doing? Are heads dropping? What are you seeing from uh, from right down in front there? Well, I'm not sure it's a, a thing about heads dropping, but more just in the way that the Lions react to, you know, flies in the ointment and players going down. We saw Archie go down, who, you know, plays off halfback, plays an important role for the Lions most weeks. He goes down, and it took them 10 minutes to regain their composure. And then at the start of the last quarter, you saw Marcus Adams, who has really been a defensive general down there for the Lions this year. He goes down with a big hit to his ribs, and Brisbane couldn't regroup for 15 minutes. They they looked all at sea. Blokes were missing their rotations. Carlton players were getting free out the back. And, you know, September players are going to go down. And when you have a... It just looked like the Lions didn't know how to react in, in those moments and to make the game a stalemate again. They just leak goals. There's still plenty that needs to be unpacked in that area. And you're right. We saw that with Dan McStay in the qualifying final against Melbourne last year. And that's something they need to touch on. But look, let's let's really have a look at the positives. Will, you would have loved seeing Daniel Rich back in the side. I thought his field kicking throughout the game, setting up the Lions play, was what they so desperately lacked last weekend against Richmond. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing Daniel Rich run through the, the corridor off that half-back line and then just pinging one down the throat of Charlie, who's got the 450 oh. to himself. That's the sort of thing that is our trademark, and it's sort of 
had gone missing in recent weeks, those really easy coast-to-coast goals. But, yeah, to, to talk about what we were saying before, I think one of the major things against Richmond was that we just stopped scoring. And so in the, se- in the first half, we had 11 goals. In the second half, we only had another three uh, against Richmond, whereas this time around, we had eight goals at halftime and then kicked another nine. So I think that's what ultimately won the game for us because Carlton and Richmond scored pretty much equally heavily against us. But we managed to keep up the scoring ourselves, which I think is our only weapon, really. The fact that we can pile on such a big score, because obviously defensively, something just isn't quite right when the, when the going gets really tough at the moment. Well, one bloke who was responsible for a lot of that scoring, Zach Bailey, four goals, oh. coming back from getting his yeah. ribs busted over from Marlon Pickett. You could see how much he was missed in that game against Richmond. But, Jack, it was so apparent on Sunday afternoon. I was. And, you know, the Lions, unfortunately, there are a lot lot of question marks over their finishing. Charlie Cameron can be sporadic sometimes. Joe can miss key shots. God help Hugh McCluggage whenever he takes a set shot. But Zach Bailey is as reliable as it gets. Um, you put him mm. 40 metres out in front of goal, you know you're going to get a goal. So, yeah, it's it's incredible how important he is to that team. And and he's that kind of guy that you could just see ripping open a final with three or four goals in a row um, well, and getting ca- the lines over the He came up clutch against the Bulldogs last he year. Did. Two minutes to go, that sidestep. We saw oh, that yeah. sidestep again on the weekend. But he, you're right, he is a bona fide finals performer. And we, and we say it about him just about every week, is that whenever there is a big moment for the Lions, it's... Zach Bailey that just steps into the void. Uh, I want to look forward to Friday night. We've got a couple of things we still need to unpack with you, Will, but Friday night against St Kilda at Marvel Stadium. This is going to be the perfect tune-up because they've got the D's a week after Friday night at the Gabba. But Mm. this Friday, look, we can get the percentage up. Right now, the Lions sit fifth. Uh, One of three teams on 52 points for Melbourne Sydney. So, look, I don't want to get too far ahead. Uh, You can't just hide this off as a percentage booster because the Saints still have a fighting chance. Their season right on the line. But in my mind, this is a massive game for a couple of players to get ready for finals. One, Harris Andrews needs to do a serious job on Max King to just assert himself to the rest of the competition. And Jack, as you said, Eric Hipwood. Look, the Saints, they almost look cooked as a unit. They were good for a half against Geelong and then got blown out of the water in the second half. And well, this is their last roll of the dice to play finals, but the Lions should beat them, especially at Marvel. It's not at the MCG. It's under the roof. Um, Should be good conditions and a, a big Friday night game. So hopefully... You know, Harris Andrews does the job on um, Max King, and then they can move into uh, round 23 against Melbourne Friday night. I cannot wait. For potentially a top four spot. That's going to be a massive game. It's going to be huge. Now, Will, uh, we've got so much to go through through this week. Uh, A couple of things happened after the podcast on Tuesday. First of all, we'll we'll start with Will Ashcroft. He has dominated the under-18 scene all year, and Brisbane hearts would have fluttered when they heard that he has said yes to the Lions and he will accept the father-son nomination. as a future player, God, that's exciting. It's massive. And we were saying how, given he'd played for us in the VFL, it would have been just such a cruel tease for him to then go on and not yeah. <laughs> not nominate himself <laughs> for us. But in terms of recruiting players to the club, big ins, we've had some massive ones over the last five years, obviously, oh. with Lockie Neal. But him nominating the Brisbane Lions as his club of choice is as big as anything in club history, in my opinion, based on the reports we're getting out of his draft season. They're saying it's every bit as good as Nick Dacos and Hugh McCluggage and, and some of the real standouts. He's ready-made. He will go from he's day ready-made. one. And yeah. look, if, you, if you're a Jared Lyons and Reese Matheson, you're, you'd probably be worried about him coming into the footy club because he will be best 22 from day one. 
yeah, they say he could play AFL tomorrow. That's how they talk about him. He's getting 50s. That's like, incredible. You, you don't see many kids getting 50s. So um, it's massive for, for the club. And we saw him in the VFL where he picked up 30 touches and kicked goals and dominated. Yeah, genuine star. So it's exciting. And hopefully going forward, he's a player that wants to stick around. And I think he could be like a real generation player for us, which is so nice. Just we, we really haven't had much luck with father sons in the past. Like, I mean, Jonathan Brown is kind of the only one that really springs to mind who's uh, strung together some games. So uh, after the Mark Murphy debacle, it's nice to get one on the board. <laughs> it is, yes. Yes. Well, speaking of superstar recruits, uh, when talk started to flutter through uh, that Buddy Franklin may be coming to Brisbane, I think we all got very excited very quickly. That talk's calmed down a bit now, but it actually made its way through to the Brisbane Lions players group. And this is what Jared Berry had to say on Triple M Breakfast with Marto and Margot last week. Yeah, it definitely would be pretty special. Like you, you um, grow up watching these guys and uh, even Hodgie being able to play with him was one of my highlights of my career. So um, yeah, it'd be awesome if, if Buddy come. I just wish he kicked that thousand goal when he was up here. Will, I'm confused by this because I look at the list and even if we talk to the Gold Coast, which we'll get to in a second, I don't think Buddy is right for the Brisbane Lions. As great as it would be, I just get sort of dark memories of the Favola era. You can't compare the two, but would you like to have him at the club as a Lions fan? I'm pretty torn. I don't really, like, I wouldn't be disappointed. It just depends on what we pay him because I, I don't feel like there are many clubs that really could afford it because if you are in contention to make the finals, you probably don't have that many spots on your list to pay for the highest profile player in the game. So I don't know. I I feel like any team with Buddy in it is immediately better. And he's such a threat. If you've got Joe Danaher and Buddy Franklin in a forward line, I don't know, Dan McStay and Eric Hip would take the third best defender fourth best defender, all of a sudden it, it opens spots for Cam Rayner and Link McCarthy to do some damage, but it seems like he doesn't really suit what we're doing. Um, if Dan McStay leaves, I guess he can fill that role, and it would be great for crowds. I feel like it would be a real draw card, particularly in that first year, as Feb was. Um, that first year with Feb wasn't as big a disaster as people like to think of it as. We got massive crowds. We played The first four weeks were a disaster. <laughs> We were premiership favourites at one point. He kicked nearly 50 <laughs> goals for the year. Um, yeah, it was just everything in that next off-season that uh, went up shit creek. But Really unreal. Yeah. But, Will, yeah, the I thing... don't think it'll be Fev 2.0 if it would have happened. The, the thing that I look at with the Lions is that if they have a spare seven, eight hundred k from Buddy, like to go and recruit Buddy, I, I just feel like scoring is not their issue. I feel like that yeah. money could be spent better elsewhere. On... Absolutely. You know, a lockdown defender, maybe even another key defender, adding some pace through the midfield. I don't think scoring's the issue. And, like, you're just going to get another key forward that doesn't tackle to go along with, you know, Joe and, you know, Eric isn't the greatest ground pressure player. And, you know, the biggest issue that the Lions have had is teams just walking the footy out of their defensive 50. So Exactly. It's not not the right fit. And I'd be incredibly surprised if it was on the cards, to be honest. All right, well, I think we can shut the door and close the case on that one. 
So, we're gonna, yeah, that's right. I'm playing the sound effects now. <laughs> that one sitting there. Um, so the Lions taking on the Saints Friday night footy. You can hear the call right here on Triple M. Let's swing down the M1 now to a bit of sadder news because we planned it out. I had the whole succession of what was going to happen should the Suns beat the Hawks. And unfortunately, they just didn't. So the season is done. It was a seven-point nail-biter in the end, but the Suns missed their opportunity. Unfortunately, because afterwards, the Fremantle did beat the Dogs, and that was one more thing, but one once Richmond beat Port, it was all over. Our, uh, man, uh, our man Will was down there in Tassie to go and watch the Suns. What are you doing oh, down there? Beautiful day down there in Launceston. Oh, God, they, could just, they just couldn't kick goals. It was so frustrating. And the Hawks in Tassie, they're no walkovers. But, mm. yeah, the Suns really blew an opportunity to at least give the finals one final crack because uh, they'd be equal, equal with the Bulldogs if they'd won that. So... Mm. Disappointing. Yeah, very disappointing. I mean, the good thing is that disappointing performance means that Tasmania won't want them to move down there, so that's always <laughs> a positive. But I, I think the big thing that, that all, all the chat around the Suns this week has been surrounding Isaac Rankin. I know we covered this last week, but the, given that more information has come out, look, Adelaide have really put the Godfather offer on the table to him. He's 22 years, years old. He's coming up to 50 games. Yep. It's up around that. When you're being offered $800,000 a year, five-year contract, that will make him a superstar. They will build a forward to, line. To go home closer to your mates, you know, where yeah. you grew up, family. It is so hard to say no to. And I think nowadays we've, as a football community, have come around to the, it's okay if a player goes home. You can sort of understand that. But at the same time, the Gold Coast Suns have put so much into him. And to fly the flag for the Suns here, obviously this is a very biased podcast, but when he burst onto the scene, he was electric. And then he sort of dropped away. But the Suns stood by him, they worked with him, and they put the effort into him. And he is now a better, more well-rounded footballer than the guy we were obsessed with when he burst onto the scene. So, Took Miller... Stewie Jew, they've been into his ear. You remember how forthright Took was with Tom Lynch when Lynch wanted yeah. to go home in 2018. And this is a potential Brandlow medalist as well, saying, hey, stay with us, play with us. Jack, what are you saying to Isaac Rankin at this point? Obviously, you want Isaac Rankin to stay because he's going to be a star of the competition. And no matter what, he has the potential to be a 60 or 70 goal small forward. But he hasn't put together a full season of AFL footy and been a star. And if they're offering him 800k, they're offering him that on future potential. So that's that's overs, yeah. Well, I think it is a long way overs, and I feel like you know, similar to you know the Buddy Franklin thing at Brisbane, is that you could be getting better pieces than Isaac Rankin for that 800k. A lot to play out here, but I think the last two rounds... Am I being too harsh on Isaac Rankin? No, I don't think you are, and Will, I'll put it to you. So look, the Suns have re-signed this year King, Lacocious, Ainsworth, Hollands, and Mac Andrews. So players around the club are recommitting. So that's great to see there's a culture there, but look, hypothetically we will, if he does go, Adelaide have pick four. You're probably requesting that, given that he was a number three draft pick. Remembering he is out of contract, but I don't see someone filling that void of Rankin. Do you look for a like-for-like replacement? Where what would you do should Rankin walk away? Well, the first of all, I think the players you all listed before, I'll, I'm shocked they've retained all of them, to be honest. So losing Rankin, I think they've already done a brilliant job with the re-signings that they've managed to pull off. And every now and then you just lose one. Because as you were saying, when a player is offered more money to play, their, do their same job at home, it's very tempting. It's too tempting. It's it's too much to expect for someone his age. But yeah, I, I think they've uncovered a few similar ranking types this year who I think are very promising. Joel um, Jeffrey. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's a matter when you've got a, a pick as high as uh, pick four, if it is, that they receive uh, back from Adelaide, that you just go for the best player in the draft. If it's a mid, if, let it be a mid because they've, they've got holes everywhere at the moment in their playing list. But I think there's light at the end of the tunnel for the Suns. Remembering the Suns also have pick eight in the draft this year. So there's yeah. an opportunity to go back to the well and keep building. Well, Jack, the Suns take on the Cats 4.35 Saturday afternoon. There's a great opportunity Ooh. just to throw caution to the wind here. Now the this is junk time for the Suns, but there's still an opportunity to give it one last shake. 20,000 members. Congratulations to the Gold Coast Suns. Good to see a couple of us in this room are one of them. Will? Next year, mate. Come on. Come on. Next year. This is a... Uh, it's. I'm scared for the Suns on Saturday because... Oh, you're seeing a blowout. Well, we've seen it so many times that once their season is, you know, kaput, they have a historical uh, re- uh, track record of putting the queue in the rack and copping some late season blowouts. Yeah, so I say that they are playing for Isaac Rankin's signature. So it's going to be exciting anyway um, to see what happens. Geelong are in red hot form. Just before we do sign off for the podcast... I want to say a big congratulations to Elijah Hollins, yes. who was the rising star for round 21. Yes. Um, I've been a huge advocate of Elijah for the last two years. Um, just reckon he's going to be an absolute jet. And his game on the weekend, Will, was what 23 touches, two goals. Really showed that he's a star of the future. Yeah, he was excellent. Uh, Wodonga boy, I think, from memory. Um, and it was nice to see him get a run and yeah, establish himself on that side because he looks like he's going to be a very good player. Uh, looking forward to the development of his career. It all starts Friday night when the Lions take on St Kilda. Triple M Rocks footy, Northern Exposure, Rocks Queensland.